Unblocked. With new episodes released weekly, the show is an in-depth exploration of the songwriting process. I interview writers from all genres and backgrounds, and we have conversations on the ins and outs of inspiration, effective storytelling, overcoming writer's block, and more. From the nuts and bolts of songwriting theory to the emotional side of putting your hopes and fears out into the world, I go deep with each one of my guests to uncover what it means to be a songwriter. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy the episode. Christina Martin is a powerhouse musician, songsmith, and performer hailing from the windswept east coast of Canada. Her music dances effortlessly through pop, rock, folk, and Americana traditions, but stays deftly unchained by any one label, refusing to be pigeonholed and unafraid to dip into stranger waters. Through it all runs a backbone of raw honesty about the human condition. Be they personal confessions or narrative tales, each song is lovingly crafted and hits the heart like a well-thrown punch. With a brand new album on the way, promising to be more sweeping and orchestral than ever before, Christina Martin is going from strength to strength. Hi, Christina. Welcome to Songwriters Unblocked. Hi. Thank you for having me. This is great. Of course. So happy you could join us. The first question I start out by asking everybody is, what was the first song you ever wrote? Okay, this was hard for me. I'm getting old. But <laughs> I pulled one out called I'll Do For You. Because I, when I thought back, I was like, okay, I was in Austin at this time. I was in a relationship. And it's one of my earlier songs. Not a lot of my first songs made it to an album, uh, yeah. thankfully. But this one <laughs> did. And so I think it's one, it may not have been the first uh, song, but it's definitely one of the first. I'll do for you. And I, I remember being in a relationship with this really nice guy in Austin. He was a little bit older than me, and he was, like, ready for the next level, you know, and I was so not. I was just getting into music and sort of the music scene in Austin, and I wanted to be, I think, free, and I wasn't very open emotionally. So in the song, I wrote this song about, like, me wishing I could be that girl that like opens up and tells, shares my f- whole heart with this guy. And I just was very guarded and closed. And I remember him telling me at one point, like, oh, you're going to be so alone, you know, but he was just saying that because he was hurt because I wasn't like, you know, giving him right. what he wanted. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'll do for you, but I didn't do for him. So <laughs> meh, that was one of my first songs. Wow. So you wrote the song in Austin and now you're in Nova Scotia. So yeah, I grew up. Yeah, I grew up in a. Uh, I was born in Florida, actually. Uh, my brother Alex and I were born in Florida, but my parents were Canadian, and we grew up in Atlantic Canada. And so I, um, I actually moved to Austin after my father had died when I was like nineteen. I was in university at the time, and I quit university. I was going through a really rough patch, and moved to Austin, Texas, not knowing it was like the live music capital of the world. And spent a couple years there, three about three and a half, and and it was really, I think, the probably the only reason I became a songwriter. I don't know if I would have have my life today um, as an art. I, I don't know what my life would have been like, but mm-hmm. Austin changed everything for me. Yeah, yeah. What happened in Austin? What made you realize that you could do this or wanted to do this? Well, my host parents, uh, Kim and George Oswald. They kind of encouraged me because I didn't know anybody when I moved there. Um, I ha- they let me, they gave me free range of their Astro Chevy van uh, when I wasn't working, and they encouraged me to go out and hear live music. 
and like singer songwriters. And that's another thing I had never done that before growing up in New Brunswick, uh, province in Atlantic Canada. Um, we just didn't have that in the towns that I grew up in, like live music that I knew of. You know, we all listened to the radio and I watched music videos and knew like big artists, big pop rock artists, but I'd, I'd never really experienced being entertained by a storyteller with their guitar and banter between songs. And and when I went out, and, out by myself and, and started enjoying that in uh, downtown Austin, I was enthralled. And I was starting to write a journal at that time. And I had music in my my past. I had taken music lessons and I always kind of, I liked singing, but I didn't know if I could do that. I just, I knew I liked it. And my friends told me I had a nice voice. So when I was in Austin and I had no responsibilities really other than my my day job, I gave it a shot. I started writing and that, because I just thought this is so cool. I wish I could do this thing. It's so, it just really moved me. And I, I don't know, I guess I, I wanted to give it a shot, and so I, I started uh, doing open mic nights every week and eventually started doing my own shows and putting a band together and learning about the music business. But the music business stuff really came a lot later and helped allow me to have a, a, a writing life, you know, and a recording life. Without learning the business, I wouldn't have been able to to continue, I think, mm-hmm. with the songwriting, perhaps. For sure. I'm kind of an all-or-nothing person, mm-hmm. so I probably would have done something else. You know. Yeah. Um, tell us about the the business stuff that you learned. What about it made you able to do this, you know, full time? And what were those key learning moments? I guess of of okay, this is how this works. Well, even in Austin, I can remember doing a house concert, and my one of my employers, like I was a, I looked after kids a lot on the side. I had a full time job, and then I looked after kids. And one of my employers, who who really supported me musically, was like, "Why don't you do a concert in my backyard?" and collected money for me, donations, and it was more money than I'd ever made at a club. Mm. And I started to think, well, this is cool, and everyone's listening, and they're buying my seed, my first CD, and I, you know, it was more than I made during my day job, and and money to me just means you can have the freedom to do the things you want to do, creative freedom, um, freedom to travel, freedom to make dinner for your friends, and all that. So that was, in, you know, interesting to me. I started when I, I was invited to open for a few artists in Austin, and I, I remember the tip jar was a big thing at that time. You would, we would always play for tips, but at these shows there was a ticket, <laughs> a ticketed show, and I remember passing the tip jar when I was playing, and afterwards learning that wasn't cool to <laughs> do because it was a ticketed event. You didn't need to pass the tip jar, so like just learning, you know, like the kind of faux pas and the the best way to kind of uh, produce a show like this I was I wanted to put on my own shows at at an early age so I was I was learning about that but when I moved back to Atlantic Canada in Nova Scotia and every province in Canada has like a music organization like we have Music Nova Scotia and um, you know as part of their mandate they want to educate artists to learn the business and do as much for themselves until they can get to the point where they could maybe hire on teammates could be a manager maybe you could be self-managed you know like me now 
Um, so I took them up on all of their educational workshops. I went to all the music conferences that they promoted. Um, I just signed up for everything. And I learned how to book tours. I learned how to do that by asking other artists for help. I was like, I just would take them out for lunch or um, ask them if they'd meet with me and just say, tell me everything that you do. <laughs> I would like to give it a shot. And that encouraged me. And then I just started doing the thing. You know, I started booking my own shows. And I had to, when you do that, you know, and I wanted to have a clean business. I had to learn how to do my own bookkeeping and manage it all so that I could still have the freedom to write and like love my life and be happy and healthy. So I ran a clean business and I still do. And I learned all the, the things. There were so many things to learn, you know, and I incorporated my business. Um, not a lot of artists do that, but some do. And there were other benefits, you know, to being able to do that. But, you know, that's uh, not a, not a songwriting maybe a tip or anything like that, but it did, it does allow me to do the thing um, that I love to do, which is singing, performing, and, and making music and music videos and, um, you know, mm -hmm. connecting with people in that way. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a super, super important part of things that I think everyone talks about, but nobody really wants to do or has the yeah. the insider foresight to just go do it. Like you said, like I just started doing the thing. And um, I think it can be hard for some artists to like get over that hurdle. And it's really cool that Canada has resources like that. I don't know. I mean, there are certainly organizations here that exist, but it's not like, you know, a state thing or um, super obvious all the time. It can be kind of hard to uncover all of that information. Yeah. Tell us about your songwriting process. Um, what, I mean, you talked about your first song, but since then, what has inspired you to write? Um, how do you go about approaching a song? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, now at this point in my life, writing tends to be seasonal. I guess the reason for that is, at least for the past, since the pandemic, I feel I've been really busy with projects and trying to keep the business going, keep my music business going. And I have written, I, I mean, I, I did write a, an album and record an album, but like I'll do my writing and sit, like carve out a couple of months to really finish an album. And then I'll move on to doing all the things I need to do to get to record, which may, maybe involves applying for funding and managing those projects and and then launching and marketing and all. But when it comes to the songwriting mode, like I will, I usually, I have a routine, I'm a pretty routine person in general, but my mornings will be put aside for writing. Um, but that might mean I start the day with like little meditation, little reading, uh, reading about writing, reading other writers, like, you know, it could be like, I mean, Julia Cameron was an early one for me in the artist's way. It was one of the first books about kind of discipline and in an artist lifestyle and how to create that for yourself and um, morning pages. Louise DeSalvo is another one. Um, and there's, yeah, and, and I mean, or it could be like a Jeff Tweedy, you know, how to write one song. I'm uh, Just something that kind of gets my brain going. Or I might just journal and listen to music in the background and and then I'll go to my scraps my scraps I collect scraps with like lyrics and melodies um ideas for full songs that I've literally like when I'm on tour 
on the go in the car listening to music. If something comes up, an idea, I usually hum it into my phone or uh, send myself an email. And then I have all it all filed away. So I know where that stuff is, is and I start sorting through it when I'm in my writing season. So I don't write every day. There are times when I do, but um, now is not one of them where I'm about to go on tour. I'm rehearsing and re- trying mm-hmm. to remember my lyrics and and um, trying to, you know, be like get, prepare myself for how to connect with the audience, which it's just it's it's a lot different than when you're just writing a song, um, but when I when I'm writing in writing mode, like I, it's really just about having space to myself and quiet and turning off all distractions, um, and just writing and sort of like almost trying to have a have these conversations and asking questions, um, you know, figuring out what the structure is going to be for a song. I'm, I don't get too heavy into like layered you know um, ideas for melodies it's really about the lyrics and the main the delivery the mel- the main melodies but there might be as I'm writing I might have some ideas for like oh this section in the production when we get to the recording studio um, you know maybe the drums are uh, maybe it's just a heavy like a four on the floor kick drum and no cymbals and I might make notes like that um, sometimes there'll be like there's a song on my new record, Storm, that uh, was inspired by both a Paul Westerberg song, like a 20-second song, and then a David Bowie song. And and then, but the song sounds nothing like either of those. But I know where this sort of spark came from, very like from a rhythm. And then I had something I was writing, and it worked. I don't know, it just... Mm-hmm. fit in the moment I don't know is no it's really kind of like I feel like sometimes it is sort of like putting a puzzle together or like you but it, it's like you have I don't you're not overthinking it it's very instinctual like sometimes and you're trying things you're you're substituting lines and just you just keep trying but I never I don't if it starts to get like icky or I'm stressed or I you know I just I'll put it aside and I'll move on to something else. Like to me, it should be fun. And I try so hard mm-hmm. in the rest of my life. This is where I don't, I just don't think it should, I, I should try yeah. that hard. Yeah. Like, and I don't, if I don't, if I like don't believe in the lines, I will, it's the song's not mm-hmm. done. Like it, sometimes it's never, it's not done until, you know, we're recording the lyrics and I'm still changing them. I, you know, and I, I think that's, probably pretty common for a lot of songwriters that yeah yeah so that's a little bit about my process which it wasn't very structured <laughs> as far as well, I can tell it rarely is I think with writing songs it can be structured but oftentimes it's just kind of a a mess of different things so <laughs> yeah 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 No, I loved what you said about like you know if I don't believe in the lines then it's not done <laughs> and I think that's mm. I I feel the same way about some of my songs that I write. And I think it's like pretty easy to tell when something Mm -hmm. is right and when it needs to maybe be worked a little bit more. I think in my experience, maybe there's, maybe there's, there's a time to just kind of let things be, even if that line isn't perfect, but like the rest of it is maybe just let it be and and leave it alone. Um, Especially if, you know, you're in 
over analytical type, but I think there's yeah. that's it's a good barometer for like okay, does this song do I believe in this song or maybe I need to yeah. to revisit some things. Yeah, and, and the only time I really get a little critic more critical about it is if I think it's going to be released. Yeah. Like if I cuz you know, you can write songs if, and it's just an exercise in writing songs and and that's good enough. Like it doesn't ever have to see the light of day. Um, it's an, you know, I think it's important to to continue to try to you know grease the wheels. Yeah. Um, it may you know and, and move on. Like and it's okay. It was it was what it was. Oh, I was going to ask you if anybody's ever asked you to ask you to write a song for a specific thing. Oh yeah. You know. Oh yeah. All the time. <laughs> so yeah, it's and, a little different than writing songs for myself, where I'm like, yes, okay this line makes sense, this line doesn't make sense, I believe in this line, I don't believe in that line. And I think there's an element of of that to any song that I write, but I'm usually writing things that are not for me. Um, so it's a, it's a different approach. It's, it's a very, um, I'm thinking of other things. I'm thinking of, okay, is this resonating with the artist that I'm working with? Is this resonating with this idea that I have for an artist that this might work for is this in a specific Mm -hmm. genre style, like whatever is being asked for. So it's much more like fulfilling the desires of somebody else instead of mine. Um, And I think, yeah, yeah, there's there's a balance to be found because I think even if you are writing for other people and for things outside of yourself that you do relate and you find something in it that you can believe in and latch on to because um, otherwise you're mm-hmm. just writing songs out of nothing. N- not that you can't do that yeah. and not that like, I mean, I've certainly written some songs like that that have done, <laughs> you know, that are exactly what was needed, but it's a very, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a very different approach from when I sit down to write something just for the sake of writing or for myself so it it very much it very much depends on the other people I'm working with as well. Um, so it's a lot of a lot of okay. collaboration, a lot of um, managing my skills in relation to the skills of the of, of the other people in the room, of you know who's kind of the final say. If it's an artist, it's always going to be the artist. If they're like, no, I would never say something like that, then you move on. <laughs> yeah. But there's you know at the same time an element of of putting my ideas out there and kind of pushing the song to be the best that I think it can be. Um, and just hoping that that aligns with everyone in the room. And sometimes it doesn't, but oftentimes, you know, it it usually does Mm -hmm. and things go well, Uh, but it's definitely, it's, it's a lot more, there are a lot more moving pieces in, in what I do. Yeah. It's a, yeah, you're right. It is a whole other approach that I'm not as um, familiar with because I'm often, Firstly, writing for myself. I have done it a bit, and it is challenging mm-hmm. for me. And I, I always get a little more nervous because I'm like, this is like, a, some, like for example, this year I had just actually done my first writer's workshop as a student in Austin with Darren Smith and uh, Mary Gaucher. And, um, and I was asked uh, that next week to write a song for somebody who had been through something super adverse, like, and they were, you know, ended up in, in, um, uh, doing in inca- mm. incarcerated and 
And uh, that was a, a, a very big task. Um, I took it on because I'd just done the songwriting workshop, and I was like, okay, I'm going to put this to practice, some of these great tips from Darden and Mary. Um, and I did it, and it came out, like, stylistically, not something I would write for myself, but that wasn't what I was doing, so I was kind of more open about it. And it was what it was, but I, yeah, just it is a different approach when you're writing for somebody somebody else for sure i'm not uh i'm not super confident <laughs> i do try it sometimes but yeah it takes a whole other whack of skills yeah, so. yeah it's it's a very different barometer for when something's done when something's good when you think something is going to be released or not released um so it's i think at least in for for me it's important to kind of have both i think i find do you have a preference i it really depends on the day honestly um mm -hmm. i find that well i do some music for like a, a sync project that i have with a writer and a producer friend so you know we're gearing our music towards placements towards being in ads film tv and that type yep. of music is I mean, anything can get placed, but there are things that will get placed more often than others. Um, like love songs are really hard to place because, you know, if you have a ton of specific details about this person in this situation, if that situation doesn't like reflect what's going on in the scene, like it's going to be super hard to, you know, find that exact scene that's going to make that story work. So it's Mm -hmm. The language is pretty general, but, and, you know, everything's upbeat. Like, we don't really write slow songs, and I absolutely love it. Like, it's so fun and freeing mm -hmm. to not really have to write about anything, and it's just, yeah. it's just yeah. fun, because then on the other See side that. of things, I'm, you know, talking to to artists about their their lives and deep experiences and thoughts and feelings and emotions and it can get pretty heavy and so having this mm -hmm, sync project mm -hmm. to balance that out where we are exclusively writing fun music that kind of doesn't really like it's we, we try to say something but we're not saying the yeah. most and then like acting as like yep, a songwriting totally. therapist on the other side so it's like I, I think I would it's, it's it can be tiring to just do the the therapist songwriter role and then also yeah it is it is actually kind of exhausting. yeah yeah and I I think <laughs> you know you can't as a songwriter it can be maybe tempting to try to fix the situation or like oh you know this song is really serious but not acting as like you're there to put it into a song not to offer solutions not to have an opinion about it really you're just trying to find the best way for that artist to tell their story for that group of people on that day <laughs> um yeah so it's that's a very very different role from doing this music for film and tv and then even from like writing for myself where I'm like well I just kind of want to write about my life now <laughs> um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's a nice little triangle yeah. and I think all of those things balance each other out in my life yeah that's a good i just remembered that my husband and i do some music for film and television as well there's one um client that we work with and uh i i literally like it, no lyrics no words no singing 
And it's kind of, it is kind of nice because I'll go through my ideas that I'm not using and I know I'm not using, but I don't want to get rid of them. And I will, will mine those for melodies and then my husband takes them and I just say bye-bye and he develops them into these, you know, two-minute instrumentals and and that's kind of fun because yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't have to worry about the, the lyrics, um, but yet these little gems of ideas and melodies are being used for something. Oftentimes they are up, they have to be upbeat as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah so it's fun to do that, but I, f- I forgot that that's something that we do because <laughs> uh, uh, in any case. Yeah. yeah, that makes me think of all of, the different ways that we kind of piece odd jobs together to make mm-hmm. a career because one right. thing isn't going to sustain yeah. you. So what are those things for you? Well, the song placements has been one of them for sure. Actually for the last, you know, in the last 20 years, um, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to have some placements early on with my first album and I was like oh this is really cool (laughs) and then um you know then the music industry here in Canada um really actually tries to help artists um pair up with um music supervisors and placement organizations and and I have a couple partnerships um I've had in the past and have some right now currently that you know, trying to find a life for my songs while I'm doing other things. Right. So that's been important. Radio, uh, Sirius XM, you know, when when it comes to launching an album, making sure that the people I hire are um, getting the songs out to as many people as they can, even though it may not be a radio hit, you know, you can still generate revenue from uh, national stations and like here in Canada, CBC and Sirius uh, placements and you know, BBC in the UK. And, and so, you know, we're watching, making sure that I'm in tune with, have all my songs registered with all the organizations that collect the different royalties. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other job. And I've taken it on myself, but some people hire, you can hire people to do that for you for a free, but that's, that's been great. And of course, live performance, you know, uh, playing your own songs and getting paid for it uh, at certain events and fe- music festivals and and clubs uh, around the world. And learning uh, here in Canada, again, I know we're quite fortunate um, to have funding. You, everyone has, uh, musicians, that ha- musicians have to apply for it, qualify, and you have to know how to put together a marketing plan and follow through and be accountable for all the money and all that. But um, there are ways to get projects uh, funded. So that's been another way that I've been able to tour and make music videos and hire other artists. But I also have a Patreon. Mm -hmm. Um, I've done crowdfunding for quite a few albums. So, yeah, I mean, I've done, oh, geez, what what else have I done? I mean, I've done corporate events. Uh, on and off and I haven't really done um, gotten into like consulting or anything and sometimes people have asked me if I could book tours for them or do x y and z and I've said no up until now because I I don't want I, I you know I really am too busy with my own stuff and but I think that's something if I decided not to tour um, or just wanted to work from home that maybe I could take on and help other artists with who knows yeah yeah Totally. I think it's it's the 
the the name of the game when you're an indie artist and even a songwriter you know if you you have to find all of those little streams that are gonna make you money and then at the end of it it all kind of piles up into something that's livable and workable and um again very cool that canada just has money for artists (laughs) yeah i mean it it's uh with taxpayer money sometimes it's combined like from radio um radio organizations and the government um but um yeah it takes it's it's highly competitive but you know there's a (laughs) there's a will and a good marketing plan and um hard work like it's it is possible i think it's something that a lot of people overlook because i know that um like i lived in boston and the city of boston does grants for creative projects and um i haven't Mm -hmm. looked into it out here in la but there are lots of organizations maybe it's not the government here but there's lots of organizations that do offer grants for projects um and they range from anywhere from like five hundred dollars to like fifty thousand dollars and yep um sometimes banks yeah yeah So it's all about being, I think, resourceful and mm-hmm. like, you know, during the pandemic, at one point I was kind of doing these, um, I was joining these coffee talks for uh, women in business through through the Bar Province of Nova Scotia. Nobody was in the music business in these meetings. It was all people in business, other women. And, you know, I learned that there was some uh, funding opportunities if I wanted to hire somebody, um, you know, to somebody help me develop my podcast mm-hmm. to chat with Heart and uh, so I put together my 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 production plan for that with the help of a coach, and that was funded through this organization. So there's, you know, currently I, I'm actually um, uh, received funding again from a local business um, source to help with uh, career training um, for me, and 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 these kinds of things. You know, I guess it. I guess you have. To, I'm, I mean, I know I'm a resourceful person. That's kind of in my blood both my parents were are like that so it's something to start thinking a little bit outside of the box and asking questions and yeah and that kind of thing Um, yeah I mean there's again this is all so far away from songwriting but it does tie into it in that in order to be able to do that and have those seasons where I do write um, yeah I was gonna say it's all related and um, it makes the songwriting possible because without the financial means and support you can't necessarily take take that time to just write and then what happens to the songs after you write them okay now we need to release them and mm-hmm. I think it's all mm-hmm. all part of it for sure um it's something that I I'm like I'm always saying it I'm like there's so many ways so 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 many ways for you to make money just on yeah. your own time through your music and it's just about finding those resources that are out there i mean people want to give you money especially like in industries outside of music like everyone is like oh well i'm in the music industry so therefore i have to like work in the music industry but like if you take a step out of that and like you know even i i think sync music is such a like lucrative um like option for people because it's not the music industry it's film and tv and you know like teaching lessons that's not the music industry it's education and if you try to do music in an industry that's not the music industry you have 
so many more options and so many people who are willing to pay you for that service because fundamentally it is a service and people will see it as a service. It is. Unlike like this like weird exploitative industry that we have now (laughs) where it's like, oh, well, write write songs for free basically forever (laughs) and we're not going to respect you and we're not going to pay you and then, you know, your royalty checks are going to be like $50. so yeah. I think yeah. it's it's just yeah. this like model of like oh well I have to be a server during the day and then like you know work six more hours when I get home on my music and like that's going to be my life for the next 10 years until I like quote unquote make it. I just don't think that's the case anymore and there's so many ways that you can make money on your own time to support that and then so many money ways that you can make money through that music if you're really looking at all that's out there and all that's possible. Yeah, and I will say on the, so this is, you know, in terms of setting up your business so that it supports Mm -hmm. your writing. And I mean, that's what I did with my Patreon. And I encourage other people who are thinking about a subscription-based, you know, platform. My fans just want to see me continue. They also are streaming for pretty much for free on streaming services. And they're no longer buying and maybe even able to go to shows so like they don't mind paying a little bit to see you continue and they enjoy they get something for it because they see you know they're the first to see your music video or hear your new music or whatever you want to do for them but I set it up so that I it would nourish my my writing and my collaborative projects and you know you're always tweaking it like my goals with Patreon will continue to change cuz I'm always changing and my fans are the kind of fans that understand and support that and if if they get fed up with me they will just maybe stop <laughs> contributing or whatever but it it's um it's really been uh that has been really helpful in especially since mm-hmm. Le- it really, I really do see less and less people buying physical right. at right. shows, especially in Canada. Maybe overseas in Germany. Um, we're going back this fall, and I, it'll be interesting to see now after before the pandemic, people were still buying physical CDs and vinyl, and that was helping, you know, fuel right. my career. But it's uh, it's gone down quite mm-hmm. a bit. Um, it's sh- kind of shocking. So I think people can get behind things like Patreon or whatever the other services are a little bit more than in the past, perhaps, you know? Yeah, totally. What do you offer your Patreon subscribers? Nothing. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, No, I, I don't, I don't offer, um, like physical stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's all, um, it's, Basically, the idea is that I will continue to do my best, and they know they're contributing to uh, the creation of music videos and my touring and sort of my overall business, um, pay, helping pay my overhead so that I can continue to do what I do. But they get to hear my music, my new music first. My new mu- my new videos are the first to see them and comment on them. Um, and it's more for me, I don't, my newsletter is a very, I only send it out a couple of times a year, really. So this is more of a, where I keep in touch with my, mm-hmm. mostly my closest fans. Cause just because somebody isn't contributing on right. Patreon doesn't mean they're not a, a good fan or a, a top fan. They may not, you know, they may not be in a position financially to 
want to commit to that. And that's fine too. They might contribute in other ways. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't like do stickers and give t-shirts and all that kind of stuff because I can't afford it. Like it's yeah. not, mm-hmm. if I print that stuff, I actually have, I do have to sell it. Yeah. It's a lot um, to do that. Yeah. It's also a lot of pressure. I, I get, I mean, I can, I can handle a lot, but I also can get stressed quite, mm-hmm. quite easily. So I, I don't, I didn't want to set it up. So I would feel pressure to have to do something all the time. It's right. really like, it's very simple. If you believe in what I do and, and you can give and you want to give, I'll just do my best to keep doing this thing. Like, mm-hmm. and maybe that's a shitty business model, but it's been, it's very, my fans <laughs> so far seem yeah. to be okay with it Yeah, on Patreon. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, sorry. I, you know what? I, I don't give, it's not total uh, nothing. I mean, the other little thing I do, but this is more of an environmental thing is, um, is I, I plant trees for every year. If mm-hmm. I have 50 patrons or 60 or 40, I, uh, we plant a new tree, a sapling on our property. And, uh, and so that's a little thing that we do uh, for the environment as a, but it's not saving the planet. Unfortunately, I found but that it's, out it's just the other day. Growing a new tree. <laughs> Growing a tree, slowly but surely, yeah. and that's kind of like the metaphor for my career, I suppose. Slowly yeah. but surely, <laughs> one tree at a time. Yeah, totally. You know. No, that's lovely. Kind of redirecting here, because, I mean, the money stuff is so important to talk about, and it's just really cool to see what you do, because everyone has a different approach to it. Um, and I love love the Patreon thing. I know um, a number of people who do it, and it seems like just a really good way for fans to connect with you and to support you more directly. But so you're, you mentioned that you're preparing to go on tour. Tell us about the songs that you're going to be singing on tour. What did you write them about? How did the project come together? Sure. Yeah. Well, I have a new album that's coming out September 1st. Um, So we'll be singing a lot of songs from that album, but we are going to, I know people are going to be pissed if I don't sing some of the older songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have some really lovely fans that like know the songs, know the lyrics in Germany and have been coming out for years. And so we'll mix it up when we go to Germany. But uh, the new songs were written, well, when in 2020, I think a portion of them were written when we were grounded and I knew I wanted to do a new album. I had a couple of these songs already finished, like one was Storm, and I knew I wanted to call the album Storm because it, metaphorically speaking, it was such a uh, representation of like everything I've been through in my life and how grateful I am that I am where I am now and my life, my relationships, my what I've worked so hard for, you know, as an artist. And I feel so lucky, you know, life brings painful experiences but I just I would I I wouldn't be who I am today and I, I wouldn't have written certain songs without having gone through some of that so I knew that was a starting point for like uh and I, uh basically what I what I could dream up visually and audit you know uh sonically and and for like I started seeing envisioning what my band performance could be like and and then I I just started, went to work for a couple months. I looked at all my songs that I hadn't found a home yet, and even some older songs that I loved but never made it to an album. And and we whittled it down to I think uh, twelve or thirteen, and then 
the album is actually ended up being 11 songs. And I didn't know this at the time. I didn't, I, I did not want there to be a, a thematic, uh, like a common thread or them to all sound the same. I, I wanted us to treat each one uh, production wise, like let's just do what each song needs. And we took it one at a time and really took my time. I co-produced the album with my partner, Dale Murray. He engineered it, he mixed it, and many of my dear friends recorded, were, were performing on the album. And um, I also, for the first time, learned how to write some strings for mm. a lot of, I think we did seven strings for seven or eight songs. Grand Piano was another one. I don't really want to ever play piano in front of anyone, but I, <laughs> I wrote some piano parts and then... Uh, hired a better piano player to yeah. flesh them out and really play grand piano on a uh, bulk of the songs on the album. Ian Bent and Karen Graves worked with me on the string parts and performed them. She was phenomenal to collaborate with. And Dale as well had some ideas there. And in case, in the end, I look at the album now and I chronologically, it, like it's about my life. The album is... I think maybe I've always written about personal experiences, but this one kind of takes walks me through these pivotal times and experiences in my life, uh, even all the way up until now, you know, and, and it really feels, it feels very different. I feel like I'm, I'm graduating from something emotionally mm. in a good way. Mm -hmm. Like I can, I'm not saying that my suffering is 100% over or that I'm a healed person or anything like that, even though there's a song on the album called Healed. It, it's more the idea of, like, we're always on this uh, healing journey. But I feel, I just feel grateful, lucky. And now I feel like it's time for me to hopefully, you know, I'm ready to have more fun and more adventures and be more open to trying new things and... Main, I'd like to maintain a lot of the good stuff that's going on, I guess, in my life. But the, the songs are kind of quirky, some of them, um, nostalgic. Some are sad, seemingly sad, maybe. But there's always the air of optimism and hope in them. So they're very, I feel like they're very cathartic and healing songs. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That was a long answer. So. No, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... It's it's interesting because at least a lot of what I do and this like LA world of music is not very focused on projects. It's very focused on singles and because that's what mm -hmm. does well with the algorithm. <laughs> um, and maybe people will release an EP, but I feel like albums are not something at least that I've gotten to be a part of personally. But I think there's something really beautiful about having a collection of. 10, 12 songs that just represent something, a period of time, and then it can all kind of feel like, okay, this was an era, and now, mm -hmm. you know, I can I can move on. And instead of just, you know, song to song to song, um, I think that wheel of things can be tiring sometimes instead of just stepping back and allowing yourself for the artist to just put together a collection of things that feels really meaningful and there's definitely a time and place for both and and I do yeah I do love like 
maybe the mindset of a single where it's like, what makes this song a single? But then, you know, not being able to have the album cuts ever be released is like also kind of sad for me. So, um, I know it is heartbreaking. Like there's whatever, eight, six, I can't do math anymore. Uh, more songs Mm -hmm. on the album that I, I actually, this, for this album, I, I picked four key singles and I made sure we had a stellar video for each one and we released them all before mm-hmm. the album. Right. Because in the past we would do it after and I was like, what's the point of that? But anyway, yeah. but I can say I th- I'm, I'm really exhausted from everything I've put into this album <laughs> and I, <laughs> I actually think in the future I might take a break and go for right just for the singles. Yeah. I, I've kind of been having fun with that and you can get, you know, you can really do a lot with a single. Totally. Um, so I, I'm not sure if I'll continue to make albums, um, you know, with, especially with, you know, the costs involved in getting it out and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. but it is fun to focus. I like, I really enjoying more as I get older, like pick one thing and just do that really well. Mm-hmm. And that's when you can do that with a single, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's right now just also like a growth strategy for a lot of the artists that I work with where it's like, well, I have to be releasing music constantly so that it's like constantly like I'm in the feed and in the wheel and in the mind of the algorithm, you know, every six to eight weeks, there's got to be a new song so that I'm on the playlist and I'm here and wherever. And it's like, I think that that can also get tiring if you don't have enough space or enough time or enough resources. Um, I mean, you know, we've talked a lot already about how all of those other little jobs kind of support this and, and even just making time for everything. Like if you have to be your own bookkeeper and manager and publicist and um, booker and all of these different jobs that you're playing, like even finding time to write songs at all is just, um, it's crazy because isn't that what you're doing in the first place? <laughs> That's yeah. why all of these other jobs even exist is because you want people to hear the songs that you're writing. So Exactly. You're probably going to, by the way, hear a tractor driving by my house <laughs> really slowly. I Can don't hear, hear anything now. Okay, good. Well, you <laughs> might. Say, we live on a dirt road in rural Nova Scotia, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And every I now bet. and then a truck or something comes by, and I notice. So I'm like, <laughs> Oh, it's getting louder. It's getting closer. Okay, I, can, I hear a little rumble, but <laughs> okay, well, it's not too loud. get ridiculous, so I can close the window. No, yeah. it's all good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> awesome. Well, before we go, do you have any advice for young songwriters, young independent artists? Yeah. Oh, just start doing the thing you want to do. Just start. Just start writing. And I mean, it's been. It's changed my life to write down my values and my goals and list make lists like what do you want to do now break it down who do you need to talk to who can you talk to it's a it's this big world but a small world you can talk to someone anywhere in the world now you know you mm-hmm. can um start asking for help um start getting your you know your business savvy in order Mm -hmm. and have fun with it but just start if it's just like on a songwriting level just start writing start reading and writing more read more stop watching as much i mean movies are inspiring and whatnot and shows but like maybe limit 
your time on your devices. I'm getting really preachy now, but like, you know, and really uh, focus in on what it is you want to yeah. do and, and make time for it. Make the time because you're not going to get the time unless you just make it for yourself. So Very do true. get out there and do the thing you want to do and uh, face those fears. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. Facing those fears. <laughs> won't get too many places if you let that hold you back. So amazing, Christina. It has been so wonderful talking to you. Where can people connect with you, listen to your music, all of that good stuff? My website, christinamartin.net, is a hub for everything I do. So the music, the podcast, all my socials and YouTube. Um, Yeah, christinamartin.net. Amazing. Well, it was wonderful talking to you today. You too. Thank you so much for having me. What a great conversation with Christina. If you're interested in hearing more from her, check out our music on Spotify under Christina Martin and follow her on social media at X, Tina, T-I-N-A, Martin Music. Also, let me know what you thought about this episode on Instagram and TikTok at songwriters underscore unblocked. And if you're interested in more from the podcast, sign up for our weekly newsletter, Songwriter Sundays, where you'll receive weekly insights, episode updates, songwriting prompts, and more. Link in the show notes. This is Songwriters Unblocked. Thanks for listening. Thank you.